Today's pod is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're looking for a gift for an avid comic book reader or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. Hey, everybody. This is James. And Marco. And Abil. And this is the Movie Pals podcast, podcast number 15. Today, we are going to be going over the new Steven Spielberg film, The Post. But beforehand, let's go over what we've been watching. Hey, what you watching? All right, so let's jump into what we've been watching. Starting with uh, you, Nabil. What have you been watching? Oh, I actually have been watching quite a few films the last couple of weeks. What? I know. I've like been busy. Plot twist. <laughs> um, I saw, caught up on some of the films that you guys have already seen. I saw The Disaster Artist finally. Um, I feel like I should have watched The Room right before I saw that film. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I did get the references. Um, just it didn't hit me as, as well as it probably would have if I had just seen the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's... It's not necessary, but it does help. Yeah, but we, I like I like how it ended. Especially, I didn't realize like how um, he kind of was having a breakdown and being sad about you know Tommy was so and was really sad about everything that was going on, and then realized oh no I can capitalize on this. They're plotting for me. They're happy about it, and then he kind of jumped in on uh, turned it on. More than likely, that's like the Hollywoodized part of that. I think possibly yeah. <laughs> God only knows if Tommy was so did that. So. You know, <laughs> it, I mean, th- what it says in some articles that it, it got retconned into a dark comedy because originally it was supposed to be a serious drama. Right. And from all the backlash and seeing that, you know, people were just dying of laughter trying to. Isn't <laughs> it almost like a this sad movie? ending? Yeah. In a way? It was sad. Like you felt from like, oh, no, he really did put his heart into this. <laughs> Even it was misguided and yeah. people are just crapping on his film. They're like laughing and then he's just staring there crying. I was like, dang, this is <laughs> That's rough. how you'd feel, though. Like you did all that work and. Also, the whole money thing is very interesting still. Like, they still don't go yeah, around there. They don't even touch any of that. They do bring it up, though, right? They're mm-hmm. like, where'd you get your money, Tommy? It's like, you don't need to know that. It's like, I sold it's my business. It's my business. Even in, in uh, interviews today, he still won't answer that. No, he won't. Uh, but it was good. It was funny. Um, James Franco did great. His brother did even better. Honestly, I thought I thought, oh. he, I thought he did great in that film. Um, Dave Franco. But um, it was a really good movie. Um, I also saw Molly's Game with, uh, with uh, Jessica Chastain. You guys, I know, saw that as well. Wow, you really are playing catch up. Yeah, catching up, catching up, catching yeah, up. Yeah, no, hey, he's getting his Oscar list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a great film. Right. Um, I thought that was really well done, and especially how they were telling the story where this is what's happening now, and then going to the flashbacks as the actual events of the book, um, and that's how they're kind of telling the story. It's the book, in fact, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really well done, and I think Jessica Chastain did uh, pretty solid on the one, like oh, uh, sure. Marco and I. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. One of her best performances, if not her best so far. I think so. Uh, and then I saw a, I saw a film you guys didn't see, um, I believe. Film stars don't die in Liverpool. That's starring Annette Bening and uh, Jamie Bell, and um, it's basically them playing. Uh, it's I got her. I'm going to say her name wrong, but I believe it's Gail Gardner. I um, could be wrong with that name, so correct me, guys, on Thank you for the doing comments. research on this I beforehand. I didn't have this we feel so, sure you watched it. Or we you feel so enlightened right now. Yeah. But it's basically about this 50s uh, movie star who um, 
had some troubled history went from when it went from uh, black and white films to color movies. And she was uh, not being cast in a lot of films and her kind of uh, acting career died down and um, met Is this it based guy. on like a real story? Yeah, real, uh, real actress. And essentially she meets this guy from Liverpool and they kind of fall in love and she's like in her mid-50s and the guy's like in her late 20s. Um, and they have about a year romance and it just talks about that romance and flashbacks to where she is now with him. And then there's, I don't want to spoil it in case anybody really does want to see the film, but it's, it's what happens to her at the end is, is pretty much known if you know her story. Um, so it's not really like a big twist. So was she in any like well-known films? She was in, um, Oklahoma. She okay. was one of the seniors in Oklahoma. So that's, uh, heard of it. Though. Yeah. So that was one of the bigger films that you probably heard of that she was in. Um, and she won an Academy Award for, she was nominated for that film, and she, I'm sorry, I don't have it listed for what she won an Oscar for, but she won an, uh, an Who would Oscar you, uh, like, recommend it to? Um, if you like um, old, for, you know, for kind of 50s-styles films, if you uh, if you like um, kind of, it's really like a, a, a romance movie. Yeah. Um, not even like a romantic comedy or a drama, it's just, it's more romance, it's just about the love between the two of them. Um, I would recommend that if you're looking for a, a good love story. Oh, right for sure. And you liked it, though? I did. I thought it was really well acted. Um, it wasn't kind of over the top. And you kind of start feeling for the characters, especially near the end, how they wrap everything up and put it together. Like, everyone, you really feel for both Annette Benning's character and Jamie Bell and, and what situations they've been put in and kind of wish that it didn't end the way it ended. Yeah, so that's what I've been watching. All right, cool beans. Looks like you uh playing catch-up and had a nice variety of different films there. James, what about you? What have you been watching? Yeah, I so I caught. Uh, first off, I just apologize to everyone if my voice sounds a little no- nasally. Uh, I'm getting over a cold, so he's lying. This isn't James; <laughs> it's his doppelganger, Jimmy. So, uh, hey guys, no, I saw two movies and a new show here. I want to talk about the show first. On the CW, I started watching Black Lightning, nice. which just came. First episode was last week. Second episode comes out tonight. Um, spoiler alert: We do these on Tuesdays right now. Um, <laughs> So, have you guys heard of Black Lightning? Yeah, I've seen the I've seen the commercials from. I've seen the trailer for it. I, uh, when I think when we went to go see, shoot, we saw one movie and it was in it theaters. was on like the preview yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, so it's part of the CW shows, but it's not part of the Arrowverse, which actually almost helps this movie in a way. They're I mean, doing that, show. Ag- but they're doing that again where they're not sharing the universe again. This one's a little more grittier, though. I think. Okay. So it's uh, basically it's about a man is uh, played by Cress Williams. He is, his name is Jefferson Pierce, and he's a principal at a high school, and basically, he used to be a superhero, no one knows, he was known as Black Lightning, and he has the ability to charge electricity and, like, powerball people and stuff, it's pretty crazy, but it's been, like, 20-something years, or 15, 20 years, and he hasn't been it, but basically, the start of the show is, basically, crime's getting too rampant in where he lives, and he kind of suits up again, because of gangsters and shit like that but it's actually really good so far just one episode in it's got really good acting uh the action is really well done sweet so it's got kind of more of an urban feel to it i guess and what i'm saying he said it's why are you smiling about <laughs> he said it's <laughs> more it's more violent you said than the cw shows is yes it, is it more violent than like arrow because arrow yeah, started i think off it's more yeah i think it's out of all the fil- uh, films damn near films out of all the TV shows for now, the uh, this one is the most violent out of all oh, of them. Okay, so I almost feel like maybe that's why they kept it separate. It has a much darker tone overall. Do you think they're gonna do what they're doing with Supergirl, where it's like a different 
dimension or Earth Maybe? where they can kind of like see each other. But that would be self-contained too. So it doesn't share a universe, not just with Arrowverse, but it doesn't even. It's not even Supergirl's universe either. No. So it's just in its own world. As of right now, yes. Okay. So God only knows. But uh, if you like any of the CW shows, I would definitely highly recommend checking it out, especially because it just started and it doesn't connect. So you can you can just pick it up right now. Nice. Sweet. I'll be checking that out for sure. Uh, I also saw a movie called Brawl in Cell, Bo- uh, Cell Block 99. It's uh, directed by S. Craig Zaylor. He made a movie called Bone Tomahawk. No, not familiar with that. It's mm-hmm. like a Western. That's this is like his second movie. Basically, Vince Vaughn is in this movie, and uh, he plays like an ex-con that... Basically, he's like a mechanic. He gets fired from his job, so he goes back to working for one of his friends, dealing drugs, or kind of not even dealing drugs, like just transporting them. And he basically gets caught up in it, goes to prison for the crime, uh, you know, because he gets caught in drugs, and um, a deal goes bad. His wife gets kidnapped while he's in there, and... The guys give him like a ultimatum that he has to get into another prison prison to kill a guy in a high security place. But it's crazy because, you know, how does he get there, right? right. (laughs) He's already in one other prison. So basically it's him just (laughs) beating the shit out of every guard he sees. It's reverse prison break where he has to go to another prison. (laughs) Yeah, he needs to get in enough trouble to get into that prison, which is like the worst prison out there. And so this movie basically is super violent. You see like bones come out of people's arms. Uh, it's super bloody. Vince Vaughn packed on like 30 pounds of muscle and got super lean for it. God damn. He does really well in this movie. But overall, I thought it was kind of lacking. It's almost too violent at times. <laughs> like I don't need to see a guy sleeping on glass, you know? Like it's oh, crazy. God. It's like, holy Jesus. shit, man. This is bad. And... um you feel for his character though, but I just feel like it's just a chain of events. It's like one after another fight. It's like, God damn. You think some violence kind of takes you away from the plot itself? Yeah. Cause the plot itself is pretty thin. Yeah. And I'd say that overall it probably could have helped to get a little more character development out of him. Like he's so mysterious and you kind of just see him beat the shit out of people, (laughs) which is, you know, it's cool if you want to just an action kind of film, but it's not even like cool action. It's like, this is like fucked up action, kind of, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it like uh, really makes you cringe then. Yeah. It's on Amazon Prime though. If you're interested, give it a look. You'll probably know if you like it. And actually, the thing is, the first 45 minutes are kind of slow. It's not until the last hour 25. It's just ramping up. So, so yeah. who, who would you recommend this film to then? I would recommend it to anyone that's looking for a decent Vince Vaughn film. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a comedy, Any, I guess. Anyone looking to. Uh, see his redemption from uh true detective season two yeah probably but um i would say anybody that's into prison movies or (laughs) kind of really gory action would probably might enjoy this one right but i just wanted to let people know that it wasn't really for me though so it was kind of middle of the road uh the movie that i did think was for me was i saw a movie with uh, nabil here as well we saw phantom thread which is uh paul thomas anderson directed it who he's best known for Punch Drunk Love, Boogie Nights, There Will Be Blood. Sweet. And um, it stars Daniel Day-Lewis in what is said to be his last performance. And he plays a dressmaker named Reynolds Woodcock, um, who falls in love with a young waitress named Alma, played by Vicky Cripes. And um, 
the plot is pretty simple. It's really just more about him. It's more of a character piece. Yeah. And it's about how he's a genius at what he does, but deep down inside he has his own instabilities and worries, but it, he doesn't like showing it. He only shows it at certain times. And Alma is a girl that takes almost takes not not a physical beating, but an emotional beating from him. Because um, Reynolds himself is a character that just does not give a fuck what anybody else thinks, and he does what he does, but he's a master at what he does, uh, dressmaking, and it, the relationship between him and Alma is very well done. It's an incredibly acted film. Uh, this would have definitely made my top 10 if I'd seen this earlier. I really enjoyed this one. It's one of those movies that makes you think, and it has a, a bit of a twist near the end that kind of threw me off at first but after discussion with like Nabil it, it made more sense too yeah and it's to me what it really was is the uh, dynamic between the two couple because you kind of get um, especially with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's uh, character at the beginning a, a sense of who he is and what he likes and what he does and kind of his general being and then he meets Alma and all that stuff that you had learned about before kind of um, gets broken down even more so. Um, and you kind of see how uh, there's a slight power slug, uh, struggle between the two of them, uh, Elma and um, Daniel Day-Lewis' character. But I think even the, the it does a pretty good job of showing how relationships um, start and how certain things can throw people off. Because, for instance, there's a scene where she, he starts getting mad at her because of the toast. Right. Like she's putting butter on too hard. And so he's, he's like, very OCD. Yeah, he's OCD. Mm. But the thing is, like, I'm pretty sure I've had arguments like that. Yeah. Like, anybody can get into little things like that. And I think that's why um, Paul Thomas Anderson as a director just nails these little scenes so well. Yeah. And not to mention, it's beautifully shot, too. So, But overall, um, can't recommend it enough. It's easily, for 2018 so far, it's easily one of my favorite films so far. No, it sounds really good. I, I definitely want to check it out for sure. I know I'll, I'll probably be... Uh, Taking a note from Nabil here and play catch up with this one for oh, sure. Yeah. I, I, I definitely recommend it. Uh, what have you been watching though, Marco? Uh, I've been watching a couple things. Uh, movie wise, I saw the uh, Jumanji sequel, sequel, Jumanji Into the Jungle, Very directed nice. by uh, Jake Kasdan, which, fun fact, he is the son of Lawrence Kasdan, who co wrote Empire Strikes Back. Yep. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. I didn't know that until after I saw the movie. Uh, but the movie stars Dwayne Johnson. Oh, I'm sorry, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Get it right, uh, Mark. <laughs> uh, Karen Gillian, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, and Bobby Cannavale. Um, takes place 21 years after the first movie, and uh, this time the game has evolved from boardwalk format into a uh, video game console. And they explain that in the movie as well too. So the characters get transported into the game and uh, actually have to play a video game style format of the game and complete each mission in order to escape the curse, quote unquote. But it's, it's really entertaining. It's, it's funny. Like I, I was laughing through many of the scenes, um, really good, solid sequel and follow up to Jumanji. And they make a great homage to, well, not great, but a really good homage to Robin Williams. Um, you, if you haven't seen the movie in a while, you probably won't catch it, but I, I thought it was really, Really sweet of them to do that. Yeah, nice. I've uh, somewhat already ruined it, what it was, but I heard it's quite there, good. There, I, there's more things to it as well, too. Little clues here and there that kind of connect the, the two universes. But um, I will say this. If you've 
and I even tweeted this, if you've ever played a video game in your life, you'll appreciate this movie because it goes over many video game tropes that even I found myself saying, oh shit, yeah, I remember like growing up with video games and having that shit happen to me too. So mm-hmm. I think it, it, it's it's really good. I don't want to spoil too much of the movie, um, but um, it's interesting to see how like the world of Jumanji functions versus like the first movie where everything is happening in the real world. They're actually trapped inside the game, and uh, you get to see like the actual world of the game, which is cool. Nice. Uh, aside from that, uh, the other movies I've been watching are actually on uh, Netflix. It's uh, Godfather 1 and The Godfather 2. And yes, the third one is streaming on <laughs> Netflix also, but I did not watch it because I've seen it probably only twice in my life, and that's two times too many to have seen that shitty movie. That's pretty bad. Yeah, it's um, not that bad. It's it's in not... comparison to the two though. The first one. The, well, yeah, so it's guys... a, it basically it's a watered down Godfather one. That's basically what it is. Complete masterpieces, and then you know just just like the other ones that came out. Yeah, too but, late in the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, those of you who haven't like seen these, they're uh, crime dramas from the early seventies, uh, directed by the great Francis Ford Coppola, starring Marlon Brando, Al Pacino. And uh, Robert De Niro comes to join the cast in uh, Godfather Part Two. Uh, Diane Keaton's also in it. James Caan, Robert Duvall. It's like a smorgasbord of a bunch of like classic actors and actresses. Um, but it, the, the movie, like, if you're not familiar with The Godfather now, like, you're you're missing out. It's it's a mafia movie. It focuses around the Corleone family uh, during their rise to power in the early like, 1940s, all the way into like the 70s and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But um, Really, I actually really enjoyed the second one because I feel like I I didn't really get to enjoy it as much watching it younger. But it's really good how you see the parallels of the rise of power from Vito Corleone, the main godfather from the first movie, his rise versus Michael Corleone, his reluctant son, youngest son, who ended up taking control of the family. And you see their, the differences in the, in the decisions that they make where Vito focuses mainly on on business and business only decisions, Michael Corleone is, is going more towards the path that we feared Sonny would go to, which is more like on vendettas and making things personal. And I, I kind of enjoyed that contrast, that compared contrast in uh, the sequel. Which is this is, your which first is time watching it as an adult? Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I, I saw it in my early 20s, I guess. Yeah, I'm old. I know. But I mean, uh, I, it's the first time I actually really like sat down and like dissected the film yeah. really like I hadn't seen it in years and I was like you know what I'm I'm gonna check this out because I, I read so much about like the movies that I love and um just reading about uh like famous sequels this one this movie pops up in my brain I was like yeah oh, that's a really when good when I started getting into films and watching all these classic films I as a in high school especially I didn't like when people made references to things and I didn't understand them yeah I would literally go out and watch it like two days from then. And I'd be like, I need to know what that means. And I think The Godfather, especially as a kid, I you heard so many references to The Godfather, like everything from like sleeping with the fishes, or, like make him an offer you, you can't, can't refuse. refuse, yeah, things like that, or like um, dump the body and take the cannoli kind of thing, yeah, stuff like that. It's just as a kid, it, I always heard those kind of things and watching them in high school and then later on uh, during college when they got the remastered couple of versions. Is that's when I think I really appreciate him because man, those are some long ass movies. Yeah, <laughs> but that's why I think even the third one's decent at times. But 
the first two are absolute masterpieces. So. Yeah, the, the the third one it's it's not the strongest one in the series by far. It's it's tough to watch in some parts, but it's a good bookend to to the entire series. Honestly, I think that Coppola waited too long to make the sequel. I agree, and that's like that, what nineteen ninety. Yeah, it yeah, nineteen ninety. Yeah. How do we know that? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you uh, like mob mafia movies, if you have yet to watch The Godfather, um, it's it's not action packed. I'll tell you that. Like I said, emphasis on the drama part and the crime drama. But they're still they're they're beautifully shot for their time. The acting, the performances are great, um, and the action when it does happen is uh, pretty violent. So uh, if you like that kind of stuff, I I recommend it to you. Again, it's streaming on Netflix right now. Aside from that, uh, the only other thing I've been watching is uh, Electric Dreams, the new TV show that's streaming on um, uh, Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, nice. And uh, it's basically an anthology that is uh, that takes references from uh, Philip K. Dick novels. Uh, it's almost to the tune of uh, Dark uh, Black Mirror. I almost said Dark Mirror, Black Mirror, but more sci-fi elements to it there's still like some similar themes i've only seen the first two episodes i heard they're not as depressing they're they're not but i will i will say that they're a little deeper and they're this was this was of course i'm going off of the latest season from black mirror which i wasn't too impressed with I feel like the first two episodes so far of Electric Dreams are much stronger than the entire season. The themes are similar, though, as as far as uh, how technology is going to affect us. Like the first uh, episode has to do with virtual reality, which I know has is a something that's been touched on uh, Black Mirror, but I think that this series does it just a little bit better. R- really? Yeah, because I think like the it, VR episode in what season three that's it, really well done. I thought. It, it was good, but and to yeah. top it all off, it stars uh, Anna Paquin as well too. So she did a great performance. Um, it also stars uh, uh, Terrence Howard. So I thought that was a nice little surprise. A lot of good guest guest stars. the uh, The second episode uh, has uh, Brian Cranston in it, which I thought was a really nice gem thrown in there, um, and explores like a different topic, more about space exploration, which is something that like. Hasn't been really talked about in like anthologies like Black Mirror that make us more self-aware yeah. of our technology and where it's taken us. Uh, but the cinematography in it is great, and so is the the music and the score. And y'all know what a sucker I am for that shit. So well, that's um, good though. You know, I didn't actually know it was going to be an anthology. And Phil K. Dick is, you know, he's the same writer of the, what the Blade Runner movie is based he, off of. Yep. You know? So. You can only I can only imagine how trippy the the series release is, and I'm sure the more episodes you get into, the the crazier it gets. The second episode, there's there's a couple of scenes where you can kind of see the uh, ins- like some of the inspiration from Blade Runner because both these works come from Philip K. Dick, and it's like kind of like a nice little nod to it. And I was like, oh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So um, if you're heavy into sci-fi or if you like kind of like mind trippy sort of anthologies like Black Mirror, you'll you'll pr- definitely enjoy this. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, definitely give it a shot. Awesome. So uh, that's definitely something I'll probably add on to my growing list of things. Uh, moving on, we're going to get into a new little section here called the Recommendation Corner. Recommendation Corner. All right, guys. So this new section here is where each of us have recommended an older film to each other. 
Because a lot of times when we're planning these shows, it kind of blows our mind of how many films some of us have not seen, by the way. <laughs> so some of us, James? J- James Nabil is looking at me Marco specifically. <laughs> I guess apparently I'm hard to choose a movie for. Yeah. Yes. There was a long period when I had no girlfriend where it was just <laughs> seven movies a day kind of thing. James I almost is- wanted to be where Nabil and I have to play rock, paper, scissors <laughs> to see who's going to get you. So... The way it worked this time around, um, Marco uh, recommended a movie to Nabil. Nabil recommended a movie to me, and I recommended a movie to Marco. So let's start with Marco here. The movie I recommended to Marco was George Lucas's film American Graffiti. Quick thing, what we'll do here is Marco will let you guys know if um, what he thought about it, what he didn't like, if it was a good recommendation, and uh, his thoughts of why I might have recommended it. And at the very end, the recommendee, either me, Marco, or Nabil, will let the person know why they recommended the film overall. That is right. Uh, so, American Graffiti. Uh, I'll start off with whether I liked it or didn't like it. Um, I liked it. I, I, I'll be honest, at first, I wasn't sure if I would like it. Watching just the first 15 minutes, I wasn't even sure then if I would like it or not. Because, you know, it's like an older movie and you not not know yeah. what to expect. But as as the plot unravels, um, I start to enjoy it more. And just really quick, um, the movie takes place, uh, it, it was filmed in the 70s and it takes place during the early 60s. And it's the last night of summer break after four friends, uh, Steve, Kurt, Terry, and John, uh, have graduated high school. Uh, they each get into their own adventures, ranging from relationship issues, joining a greaser gang, tracking down a dream girl, and cruising around town with someone's random little sister, all while figuring out what they're going to do with their future, whether to go off to college abroad somewhere in the U.S. or to stay home in Modesto. The movie takes place in Modesto and uh, go to the local JC. But um, yeah, overall, uh, in- enjoyed it. Um, it's a, it's it's definitely a coming of age film, and um, there's at least some parts to it or some aspects of it that you can relate to from your adolescence. And um, uh, e- even the <laughs> I found myself relating to uh, the disc jockey the most when he's DJ Wolfman. Yeah, DJ Wolfman. <laughs> when he when he finds him in the uh, in the studio and uh, Stephen no Kurt finds him in the studio. And uh, is telling him about deciding whether or not to leave for college. And then uh, the Wolfman's like, well, otherwise you'll just end up like me, just staying here. And I thought He doesn't was... even realize it's him. Yeah, until doesn't realize he's it's him. Leave and he's Spoiler, like, by the way. Sorry. If you haven't seen this movie, I, I apologize. Sorry, but... it's been over 40-something years, guys. Yeah. Uh, the only things I didn't like, uh, some of the dialogue sometimes is just a little, like, mm, tough to watch. But that's always been uh, George Lucas's like, fault sometimes. He's He's... he's self-admitted that he's not that good with dialogue but um aside from that the the performances are pretty good i only really found myself liking t- uh, three characters if you include the wolfman uh, that's kurt and uh the uh drag racer john yeah john milner oh nice. his name right yeah, yeah. um i just he's i found their stories the like most interesting out of all of them i i didn't really care much for steve i thought he was a douchebag and terry 
AKA the Toad, I was just like shaking my head the whole time. Like, Although man, oh, Terry's man, a guy dude. that you kind of want to high five. I'm like, you got it. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know what I mean. At some parts, I'm just like, oh no, bro. He's like he's a just, loser. He's a nerd. Yeah, he he tags along, and everybody else is you know they don't understand why he hangs out. But yeah. boy, he drives like a scooter, right? Yeah, a Vespa. Yeah. So, but uh, I got I've, I've been I've definitely been in his shoes. Uh, you know, standing outside a liquor store waiting for someone to buy him a smartphone. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> don't lie. <laughs> I was in high school. Anyway, um, overall, it's it's an enjoyable film. I will say that. I realized I I liked the film when it ended, and that's not a bad thing, is when the epilogue came out and you see what happens to these characters after, it, it's sort of like a oh shit moment. Like you like you realize how like how much how deeper the movie really is. Like you're you're watching these events unravel in one single night, but then like realize that these guys have like their whole life ahead of them and there's things that are gonna happen along the road. And you don't always keep in touch with people you've gone to high school with, but it, it's sort yeah. of like it's sort of like an oh shit moment. That's that's the best way I can describe it right now. But I, I liked it, man. So was it a good recommendation for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's directed by the dude who's influenced our lives the most. He's a yeah. Star Wars fan, so of course I was going to give it a shot. And I've been meaning to watch the movie anyway because. So many people have referenced it to me, and I would just, you recommend it to uh, other people? Or yeah, yeah, I definitely would. Uh, if you're uh, if you're into like these types of movies that uh, again like go over a certain time in your adolescence or take place in the '60s or feature really fucking awesome cars, definitely check this out. Uh, oh, before uh, I close it off here, uh, I really enjoyed Harrison Ford in this too. He was sort of, he was a weird like freaking douchey character but i felt like it it really fit him and his yeah. name bob falfa was just fucking hilarious <laughs> yep it, it made me think of um boba fett for some reason his name yeah 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 thoughts on why i might have recommended it to you uh i think that this movie is one of your personal favorites and that it really like has like some meaning to you and that's probably why you wanted to share that with me am i am i right here Nope. Okay, Nabo, what did you watch? No, I'm just kidding. Um, yes, actually. This is one of my favorite films, actually. Um, growing up in the area that we grew up is fairly close to Modesto in a way. I'd say Vacaville has that vibe of it all. Yeah, Where true. we live. Uh, American Graffiti, to me, was a film that I only knew through Mel's Diner for some odd reason. Oh. Because Mel's Diner always had a ton of stuff for American Graffiti. It does. True. And I remember one day my dad told me, he's like, it's a pretty good movie. And I I, I had known about George Lucas directing it. But, you know, when you're a kid, it's harder to obtain movies and check them out as opposed to um, nowadays, I guess. Especially when we were kids. Nowadays, we can just go on our TV, our smart TV, and just type it in. Like, there we go. I'll go. Just rent it tonight. Back then, it's like, I wonder who has it in stock. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, to check it out. Let me check Blockbuster. Yeah, or, yeah, or Hollywood, Hollywood Video. Hollywood Video. Mm. For us. But um, I think, in a way, I, I, I saw, I watched it the first time with my dad, and I connected pretty nicely with him during that film, because um, the movie takes place in 1962, and that's when my dad was a teenager, right before uh, going to Vietnam and stuff like that. So a lot of, like, right I guess the movie might kind of, I guess to me personally, the movie gives me kind of like a slice of maybe how life was back then too. Yeah, something that I'll never be able to connect with on my dad as high school because our age difference is quite staggering. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice snapshot of of that era and like what I mean, what 
kids did back then. It's completely different. I mean, you start to realize how times change, how yeah. like, things evolve. It's, it's crazy. Um, it's one of those movies, too. Also, my brother's fourth grade teacher supplied uh, a majority of the cars during the movie. So nice. We always had some background of like even mm-hmm. more things. He's one of the police officers in the uh, scene where they pull the bumper off of the car. That's a great scene. So he's actually in the movie. So I also had a connection that way. And um, I love the soundtrack to this movie. I play it on my phone and my music all the time. That, that oh, I forgot to mention that. That is one thing I really enjoyed is the music. The, the movie does move kind of like a soundtrack where you see yeah. like oldies, or you hear these oldies playing from, in the background. Yeah, but, from them cruising, from them going to the dance. Yeah. It's just the perfect amount. It's romantic music. It's pop music. It's the bop kind of music, you know? Yep. It's, I think it's one of the films, too, that kind of got me into oldies. Which is probably weird, but my dad got me an oldie, so this movie, I loved the music as a kid. I hadn't heard too much of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, like 16 Candles, I think, opens the film at a certain time, too, and it's just like, man, this is great. Um, on top of that, I liked it so much, I even wrote my final college paper on this movie, comparing it with Star Wars, because I looked into more... George Lucas, as you know, it was a big influence in my life, and... Uh, this movie was kind of his last chance at doing something big before Star Wars because uh, THX 1138 was a financial failure. And um, Francis Ford Coppola was a good friend of his who also did the Godfather movies. He just got off of doing the Godfather movies, yep. had a ton of money, uh, really good friends with George Lucas. But he told George Lucas that he had to make a movie that was going to make money and be financially well, you know, successful, successful, basically. Yeah. So George Lucas, a lot of this thing, the things in American Graffiti happened to him as a kid. This is almost like a snapshot of his life, too. And I really liked that he put a lot of his heart and soul into this movie. You can tell. Yeah. Uh, regardless of the dialogue. Yeah. The dialogue, he used a lot of unknown actors and actresses at the time, yeah. too. True. Like Ron Howard wasn't well known during this time period until afterwards. They needed happy days. So it's just one of those movies that yeah, a lot of people overlook, I think. Mm Because they always think Star Wars is his first movie or... His only movie? (laughs) (laughs) Basically, I guess. The only one they remember him for sometimes. No, they're like, Howard the Duck? What? Yeah, come on, man. Come on, son. Um, Willow? It's... I love it. I love the cars. I love the interactions. Um, It's just one of those movies I, 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 I go back. I usually watch it once a year. And it's just... I think it's extremely well done. I love movies that take place at night. Nabil knows this. Yeah. Like the slice of like a night. Like all this shit happens. It's uh, it's relatable for me for some reason, and I wanted to share that with you. It's a personal favorite of mine. It's a movie that has changed what I like in movies, and also it, at the start of me enjoying films, it's one of the movies that really got me into wanting to look into more and more films like this. And I love coming-of-age movies, too, so yeah, it's one of those. So Good that's pick. why I did it. I'm glad you liked it. Right on. What about you, Neville? What did Mark? Well, actually, Marco, what did you? Yeah, okay, Nabil. So I I recommended a movie to Nabil, and I'll I'll let him introduce it. But uh, it, it's definitely not as deep as the one that James <laughs> recommended. Um, and I'll I'll tell you a little more as to why I did recommend it. But it's it, in my opinion, it's a pretty fun, quirky film. So um, with that being said, Nabil, what did I recommend so- to you? So it was recommended a film called Turbo Kid, and it's on Netflix.
Um, it was released in, it's a Canadian film released in 2015. I think it came out on Netflix in the States in 2017. Um, and it's basically uh, a film that's based, uh, set in the post-apocalyptic wasteland. Um, there's an orphan team named, starring Monroe Chambers. Uh, he's got to battle a ruthless warlord um, who plays by, who's played by Michael Ironside. Uh, which is cool. I didn't expect him to be in the film. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, if you pay Michael Ironside, he's like, I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. Uh, and he's trying to save a girl named Lawrence LaBeouf, um, is her real name, um, of her dream. Of, and it's the girl of his dreams. And um, that's as lighthearted as that uh, film gets, is that description. Um, so basically in the movie... He, the kid, um, is actually what his name is, is the kid that's who uh, Monroe Chambers plays, um, has been left alone and been trying to live on his own in this apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic world. And he's not the bravest, he's not the smartest, but he's savvy enough to have not died yet. And he's supposed to be young. He's supposed to be like 16, 17 or something like that. Yeah. And he he's kind of into comic books. He collects like a, old, a lot of old trinkets and things that he finds when he scavenges. And this one particular thing he likes is um, this thing called, and I'm going to get this wrong because I keep forgetting what the name is, but I think it's like Turbo, Turbo Man or Turbo Ranger or something like that. It's Turbo something. Um, and it's Thank essentially you. a comic book hero. <laughs> Thank you, Nabil, for doing it's only mentioned the greatest one time. research. It's only mentioned all one your time. movies this week. <laughs> and um, but anyways, he's he's into this this comic book character, um, and he somehow stumbles upon something that's relevant to the comic book character. It's Turbo it's, Rider, by the way. Turbo Riders. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> Took five yeah. seconds <laughs> research. Um, and uh, he somehow stumbles upon something that may or may not have belonged to Turbo Rider. We don't really know. Um, it's implied. And, yeah, yeah, it's kind of implied. And now he automatically becomes kind of like a superhero. This film is not supposed to be based in reality. No. It's po- not only, not just because it's post-apocalyptic, but really they're not trying to ground it any more than that setting <laughs> as much Did as you like it? Or? Well, so here, he, I didn't, I didn't like it. <laughs> Okay, you can be. This is totally honest. I didn't, honest. I didn't, I didn't like it, and, the, and Give it so to me. the reason why I didn't like it was it mostly because of uh, it's not what I thought the film was going to be. What did you think it was going to be? I thought it was going to be about a kid trying to you know save this girl. It was be a, more of a light. The bill thought it was going to be like a kids movie. Yeah, it's a lighthearted not. film that he's trying no, to save I've this girl, it, yeah. and and uh, <laughs> you know that's how I kind of saw it as the trailer when I watched a couple of uh, the trailers. But this film was really gory. Like, especially super, for a low budget, right? Yeah, very yeah. low budget, very bloody, bones breaking, intestines being pulled. And it's it's supposed and, to be like that on purpose. Right. Like that's no, that's the whole point because it's like a spoof on like gory, right. like '80s apocalyptic type movies. Now, I don't think the film was bad, and there's a difference. I didn't like it because it's not my taste of movie. So but. you're saying you did not think it was a good recommendation then for you? For for me personally, but I can. Yeah, I, it's not my kind of film, mostly because I don't like a lot of gory films. Like, I don't like watch a lot of the horror gore films. I get a bit squeamish sometimes. Um, Anything with stabbing, Nibble's like, yeah, Ooh. I'm not a fan of stabbing and and blood being pussed out everywhere. Oh, I did not know this. <laughs> not a, yeah. not I do not enjoy a lot of that. We've stuff. seen like some horror movies, and we, I mean, we saw it. So, yeah. I, or well, it no, 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 movies, no. Marco, you guys saw it. We I saw sleep. Oh, we slept. Oh. That's <laughs> <laughs> get it right marco <laughs> like i i watched these films especially the horror films and um i i just i cringe a lot and 
that this is what happened in that film. But I do I do want to say though some of the things I did like about it was that it um it's the graphics were really good for a low budget film. Like the right. effects that they did, um the stuff that I mean it was supposed to be campy and I got that and they they kept with that tone like even though the action and and the brutality was over the top, it was on purpose. They kept going yep. with it to set with the tone, and I actually did like that because they at least they stayed consistent. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like they were um, they were just trying to ham it up for a couple scenes. Um, and then the twists that came in, the twists were really good. So the story I liked. You know, it's just the type of film it is wasn't something I I personally would have gone and picked up unless you had recommended it to yeah. me. Uh, so would you recommend it to anyone though? Yeah, I do think if you're if you like if you're okay with kind of a uh, gory films, you know, but a little uh, uber violent, I would say, then I would recommend seeing it. And it's not probably as violent as the film the film you saw with Vince Vaughn. The no, it's yeah. not. It's it's in a different sense of it. It's more uh, campy it, violence. It's more yeah. campy violence. Yeah. It's more. It's like it's like yeah. It's a spoof on itself. It's yeah. more. It's like self aware. So uh, so why why do you think I recommended it to? Well, I thought you recommended it to me because you were trying to get me out of my comfort zone because I don't watch those kind of films. Um, nope. But apparently that's <laughs> not the case. I was like, I know what Marco's doing. He's just trying to make me branch out because I wouldn't have gone and seen it otherwise. Um, that's, that's part of it. Like, I know it's a movie that not many people have heard of or would consider like watching, like you were saying, like I even told James about it as well too, like months ago to, to check it out because was it last year or a year before? I could have sworn I've seen this a while ago. I want to say it was the year before. Yeah. Yeah. And even truthfully, even for me, I was mediocre on it. Yeah. It's okay. I think it's one of those. I don't, the low budgetness got to me, I guess. See, okay, <laughs> I, I and I, I appreciate it because of what it was trying to do. The fact that it was, you know, poking fun at itself and also you know, apocalyptic type movies and how they take themselves so seriously. Whereas it did have uh, an overarching plot and it did have like a good story behind it. You know, it, it at the same time had fun with itself. I it mean, did. for a low budget film, yeah. it's it's pretty well written. It's really good. The very eighties, I'd say. Too, yeah, for sure. And, yeah. I like that retro feel to it as well. There's a lot of uh, Mad Max, Road Warrior references to it. That the main bad guy with the mask obviously was homage scary. To, that guy was kind of scary too. I see. I thought he was cool because he was an homage to uh, the guy from uh, the Road Warrior, right? Who wore the mask because mm-hmm. he was you know a badass. But um, I mean, that's that's pretty much why like I, I recommended to you because I I figured it maybe be something that you know is a little outside your comfort zone, but Something you would appreciate too, because like I don't know, you seem to like some kind of like obscure sci-fi movies, like yeah. I do, like Blade Runner. And no, I, and like stuff I said, like I do like. I actually liked the the low budget of it. I think that helped amp that up because that did remind me more of like the not even uh, Mad Max Two Road War, uh, but yeah. the original Mad Max. Um, and that's I so I did like that. Uh, like I said, it it was just mostly the gore <laughs> that yeah. bothered me, but but the rest of it, you know, the film was good. It's just to me, it was a lot more right. than I expected. I know it wasn't as deep a, mo- a meaning of a recommendation like James was. Like it was more personal to him, but it did. <laughs> it, there there are some personal motives to it. When I was going through kind of like a tough time in my life, yeah. I was like there. It's weird because I was watching uh, like a bunch of stuff on Netflix because I wasn't like going out a lot, but. Uh, Stranger Things and this movie like really like cheered me up and made me feel good. Very nice. So, if nice. one of those movies where I just popped up and started to watch, and I was like, oh, it's kind of enjoyable, and I just kind of enjoyed it ever since. Nice. And for James, 
I made a recommendation for him that I've been trying to get him to watch movies since <laughs> God knows how long. Um, and I'd like James to just kind of go over <laughs> everything he thought about it. Um, the film was uh, Billy Elliot. Yeah, so Nabil decided to have me watch Billy Elliot. It's uh, directed by uh, Stephen Daldry, who actually did The Hours in 2002, The Reader in 2008, and Incredibly Loud and Incredibly Close in 2011. It's with Jamie Bell. He plays a young boy named Billy Elliot. It's set in 1984 during a coal mine closure and strike. Uh, so it's 11-year-old Billy Elliot pursues his dream of becoming a ballet dancer. So, yeah. This one was a little different. Um, basically, Billy is a kid that he lives with his um, his dad, played by Gary Lewis, and his grandma and his older brother. And uh, he's not very good at anything. No. Uh, box. He tries to do boxing. He gets his ass whooped. He seems more intrigued in the ballet dancers that show up at the gym at the same time. So one day during, uh, instead of boxing, well, he, he's supposed to stay to practice boxing, but he ends up actually taking a class with uh, a lady named Mrs. Wilkinson, who is played by Julie Walters, who is mostly famous for the Harry Potter films, actually. Mm. She's uh, Ron Weasley's mom in those ones. Oh, nice. It's kind of cool that the, I was like, oh, look at that. I did not know she was anything anything else, but I think she did really well. Uh, so basically, Billy is going through these. He kind of he obviously hides it because it's not considered manly. He decides he doesn't try to dance. He always has a passion for dancing. And when his dad finds out, his brother finds out, it's just a nightmare basically. But uh, they don't approve. No, of course not. But his teacher is the one that kind of pushes him to try to attempt to get into the royal uh, school for ballet. And kind of that's the point of it, him training and getting past himself and kind of discovering himself in a way to show that he, you know, he is good at something and he is skilled and all this good stuff like that. Overall, um, what I so what I did like, I, I Jamie Bell did do a good job, by the way. He's excellent in this one. He uh, you kind of feel for the kid because yeah. he's in such a poor situation, too, where money's tight and he gets into a really random kind of sport in a way you know yeah um which is ballet dancing so it's kind of strange <laughs> but he's like following his passion basically right. yeah in a way it's newfound it, it, it's that um it's like a it's a movie of discovery like he finds out his friend is super gay yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean and it, it's strange because his friend thinks he's gay because he's doing ballet but he's like no i'm not like that mm-hmm. but Billy is the nicest kid in the world, deep down inside, and he's totally accepting of all this. And I gotta say, back in 1984, that was probably tough to do. Yeah, I was like, oh man, but you really—it makes you just like his character even more. Seeing scenes like that, uh, the scene where his dad like starts crying when he sees how well he does dancing and shit is a really powerful scene too. When he finally accepts him, and he's like, hey, what do we have to do to make sure that I can get him in here? And uh, the fact that he even tries going back to work during the coal strike, which is like a no-no because he's like being a scab. I liked when his family started supporting him more, especially near the end. What I didn't like, I thought some of the dance sequences were super corny. (laughs) Like he flash dances a couple times where he shows his passion through tap dancing. Yeah. 
And it is bizarre to say the least. <laughs> I can't, I cannot put my finger on it. I watched it twice on certain parts. I was like, okay, let me try it again. And I was like, nope, this is just really strange. Isn't there an angry dance scene? No, no, yeah, no, that's what I mean. That's the one he, yeah. he literally, he he finds out he can't dance, and so he he just starts freestyling. Starts freestyling ever. He goes on the fence. He starts showing off. He puts his shirt up. I was like, okay, buddy, let's relax here. Let's uh, let's take a step back. So overall, did you did you like it overall? Overall, it was okay. Um, I enjoyed it for the most part. It was actually a pretty good movie. It's well acted. It has a pretty unique story. I probably wouldn't have caught it um, if Nabil hadn't brought it up. That's why. I will say I liked how it ended, too, as, as well. Like the There's a time hop at the end that I thought was really well done, and it kind of shows you the progression of things. And um, I enjoyed it overall, though. Um, I think it was a good recommendation for me, though. Yeah. Because, once again, it's one of, like I said earlier, whenever people make references to films, I tend to try to go see that film. Uh, and Nabil's been talking about this for like six years. So <laughs> perfect, know. perfect time to, to finally do it. Yeah. Um, so what, yeah. Uh, why, why do you think Nabil recommended it to you? Cause he brings it up every time. <laughs> I, I feel like there's no other fucking connection. Like he, like ever since King Kong, I think when I was like, yeah, Jamie Bell's in there. He's yeah. Like, Did you see Bill? You've seen Billy Elliot where he dances. <laughs> I'm like, Nope. <laughs> I do love Jimmy Bell because don't really want to watch it either. Yeah. And he's like, "Cool." And then one day he's like, "We're gonna do a podcast. I'm gonna fucking put you on the spot, so you have to watch it." So yeah, that's uh, Billy Elliot. I will tell you. So the reason I recommended the film to you, um, outside of the fact that I've been asking you to watch it since almost since I'd known you, is it because your dad was a coal miner and <laughs> you you yourself? Funny enough, I do relate with the film, but in different ways. But huh? the reason I recommended the film to you is because yeah. you you really do like coming of age stories. Um, and this film is definitely a coming away story in its own sense. I thought you could appreciate, you know, it's it's obviously not something American. It's not very relatable here. No. Um, but the story overall of somebody finding a passion and, and um, kind of being, knowing that it's not a socially accepted norm and he's got to kind of break out and find his own way and doesn't change um, anything about him outside of that that's what he's, you know, he wants to pursue. Um, I figured you would appreciate that. Um, I almost thought he was going to get picked on more. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't get picked he doesn't on really too know. bad. Um, it's, it's more or less like his family than that it's, that he's kind of had to struggle with, it sounds like. Yeah, and truthfully, mm-hmm. it's more like they're like, <clears throat> I thought you were doing this, but you're doing this instead. But, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, for me, the reason the film even, um, the, the reason I like it a lot is because during the time when it was released and I saw it, you know, it was in the 2000s and I was in a different country away from... Uh, going to school with a bunch of people I didn't know, and I was, you know, definitely standing out in the crowd with the group, and it made me kind of uh, appreciate being able to self-express a little bit and be more interested in the arts. Um, that really got me more into the arts as well. Watching that, you know, I did, I started taking some drama classes from there and did some right shows on. and performances and stuff like that because of the film. So um, it really helped me feel more comfortable about it seeing that that you know that would be something that i could do especially with my kind of family and they're a bit more conservative so it always kind of resonated with me so yeah you know i think i i think that um i think that it was something that you would probably appreciate based off of you know some of the other films i've seen before yeah no i i i do i'm glad that i've seen it and uh like i said i think it was a good recommendation because i do like those kind of films and overall like i said it was pretty solid film so yeah good on you 
All right, guys, so that is our recommendation corner here. Now we're going to announce, we're going to have, since we, you know, there's three of us, so <laughs> we're going to do it again next time. I hope you guys like it. Uh, so, Nabil, who did you get this time? I got Mark. I got... Like, I'll uh, give you one guess. Jane, yeah. <laughs> is that, it's either James or Marco. I don't, I don't know. No, I got Marco. Um, yes. And um, my recommendation for Marco is uh, the Richard Linklater film uh, Before Sunset. Awesome. I'll look forward to watching it. Ethan Hawke. I got uh, James, and I recommend the 1997 science fiction movie, Gattaca, also starring Ethan Hawke. Awesome. Uh, Ethan Hawke here. Uh, actually, that's a movie that I've always wanted to see, too, so I'm actually looking forward to this one. Not that I wasn't looking forward to Billy Elliot, but, <laughs> but let's be real. He wasn't looking forward to Billy Elliot. Well, yeah. so he put it off for six of, years, guys. It's one of my personal favorites, so I hope cool. you enjoy it. Um, I obviously got Nabil, and for Nabil, I can't believe he hasn't seen this. It's blowing my mind, but I recommended to him uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, film, Pan's Labyrinth, which is oh, that's one of my idea. top five favorite films. In the- I'd like to say for the record that James also always mentions uh, this film, and every time I tell him I haven't seen it, he's surprised <laughs> and shocked. Because I think, I don't know, I, we talked about Shape of, how did you see Shape of Water and not see Pan's Labyrinth, dude? I so like you, you both are even you didn't like now. Crimson Peak. So. Then you're going to think this is a, then after this you're going to be a Crimson Peak is garbage. I'm going to, exactly, now you know where I'm coming from. Okay, so let's move on to our review here of the new Steven Spielberg film, The Post. So, can I ask you a hypothetical question? Oh, dear, I don't like hypothetical questions. Well, I don't think you're going to like the real one, either. Do you have the papers? Not yet. This is a devastating security breach that was leaked out of the Pentagon. The most highly classified documents of the war. The Times has 7,000 pages detailing how the White House has been lying about the Vietnam War for 30 years. The way they lied, those days have to be over. All right, so we're reviewing the post here. The IMDb description is a cover-up that spanned four U.S. presidents, pushed the country's first female newspaper publisher, and a hard-driving editor to join an unprecedented battle between the press and the government. Uh, this is directed by Steven Spielberg. I'm pretty sure you know what he's known for there. I believe Jaws, E.T., Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, The Color Purple. I don't. I have never heard of these movies. Minority Report. Um, <laughs> it uh, stars Meryl Streep as Kay Graham, Tom Hanks as Ben Bradley, Ben Odenkirk as Ben Bag Bagdikian. Bad yeah, Luke, yeah, I'll, I'll a, give you that one. A, yeah, sorry, it's a weird name. Meth Damon as Roger Clark, Bruce Greenwood as Robert McNamara, and Sarah Paulson as Tony Bradley. Um, so guys, what did you think overall? Starting with Marco, just a yay or nay? Did you like it or no? Yay, I liked it. Okay, yeah, Bill? it it was good. I would say yes for the most part. Of my, why exactly did you guys? Are you, we're pretty unenthusiastic here right. as you guys can tell it was very uh it was very middle of the road very forgettable like it wasn't to me it was it was good but it wasn't like wow totally especially for like an oscar film like <laughs> yeah especially for a spielberg film no less it's like all the actors are great you know i mean it's good for what the story's telling but it just it's like oh okay nothing really nothing really stuck out yeah. like don't get me wrong like that like nabil saying the performances are great the story was good. The acting was good. The cinematography was Did good. Did you two know the outcome? 
No. No. Really? No. I thought it was pretty I, obvious. I, I, I mean, <laughs> oh, I know, but I, I knew the outcome. Like, I knew that eventually they released the... Oh, yeah, I knew yeah, that. But, I mean, the the aftermath from that action, like, I didn't know. So Yeah, like, I didn't know that the the, the, the Washington Post was uh, publicly traded like that. You know, I didn't know how that was going to end up and stuff. I, I also didn't know the extent of the information that was leaked from the Pentagon mm-hmm. Papers. Like, I, I knew some of it. I'd read up on a few things here and there, but I didn't know, like, how much information. And, it, you know, obviously they did some Hollywood spin on it. So whether or not that was 100% accurate or not, it was kind of shocking to, to be like, wow, that's a lot of information there yeah and actually i don't even think we're gonna have a spoiler section on this because there's really nothing to spoil on this movie no um i agree with you guys it's very cut straightforward it almost seemed like we talked we talked off uh off mic here that in the trailers it makes it seem like a thriller in a way like a yeah. political thriller like what's gonna happen mm-hmm. it makes oh, it seem no. also like it's just the post in, involved i didn't realize that there were it's other everyone. it's every newspaper involved yeah. and actually it was the new york times that received the information first and even in passing like james was saying like it almost would have been more interesting to do it on them and i was yeah. like great well, have them more involved if anything their perspective would have yeah. been fun i think and also um there's a lot of points in the movie where they want you to make it seem like something bad's going to happen, and it just never happens. No. Good, good point there. I was going to bring up the uh, part where they take this kid to go and say, "Go to the Times, get some information." I'm like, "Oh, what's going to happen? He's going to the Times, you know? Nothing, and nothing. <laughs> nope. No, I didn't he get anything. On but somewhere. I heard about this. I'm like, oh, oh okay." Yeah, yeah, it's like I heard um, him talking about going to a lunch. What? Yeah, they made a big deal about right. him going over there, and it's like. <laughs> Okay, he that had no purpose. I I had some issues with some of the dialogue in, in some parts. Like I, uh, it was like overly dramatic. Like I have two scenes that really stuck out, and unfortunately, they're both from uh, Bob Odenkirk, who I re- I respect and love his work. I I like him as an actor, but I just felt like two scenes that he really pushed over the limit was when he was on the plane and he gets asked like what's on the seat, and he's like stolen government papers and it's like oh, why, don't you, too, why yeah. don't you just look at the camera and wink buddy yeah and I, I, even watching it i was like maybe it's the trailer maybe it'll play out better in the movie no didn't and then when he tells i think it's tom hanks's character he tells him i've always wanted to be part of a revolution which i think it's also in the trailer i thought it was going to play out better also in the movie doesn't no it, it's no. like ugh, come on stop it's just these one-liners lines. that didn't that kind of stuck in there and didn't really fit in but the, the, the rest of what was going on around <laughs> so tell me oh. if i'm wrong here but i didn't really like meryl streep's character at all i tried to say i really tried to like I'm her so used to her playing powerful characters yeah. that yeah seeing her play someone that's very unsure of herself it, it it's her performance is good, but it, it's like her arc. That doesn't mean I'm like her no, character. No, 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 yeah, no, exactly. Her the arc is lacking. It's like you you get the the feeling that she's gonna grow a backbone towards the end of the movie and like be like be a leader finally. But no, she stays. It the seems same. like she bases her like, well, what do you guys think? And then yeah. like, man, can you just say yes or no? And even her ultimate choice near the end is, I don't feel like it was totally her choice. No, no. It, it, it was like, totally Tom Hanks's choice. Yeah, yeah, I was like, man, Tom Hanks. I thought was the best part of this. Oh, movie. for sure. Yeah. That was that was the film to me. Was Tom Hanks is great, you know? But because every time they went back to her character, I was like, like, can uh, we go back to see yeah. what Tom Hanks is doing? <laughs> What's he doing? 
It was just really uncomfortable because it's like three plots going on. It's like Tom Hanks uh, working with the other reporters trying to get a story. Bob Odenkirk's character getting the, uh, the documents, yeah. and then Meryl Streep's character having parties. Yeah, yep. Literally, that's all that she does. Yeah, she has like three parties in this movie, and uh, <laughs> being confused as to what she's going to decide. Yeah, she does a series of phone calls, mm-hmm. and then several people boss her around. Yep. Yeah. I just didn't like it as much, and I, I think it took away from the pacing of the movie, which I think the movie's, what, two hours long? Just about. And it felt longer when it got to her scenes. I was like, oh, come on. Let me just publish the goddamn papers, you know? <laughs> but um, would you recommend this to anyone as of right now, or...? I, I don't think it's, a for me, a must-see right now. It's definitely worth a watch. I mean, the acting is good, and it's a good little story to learn from. Um, but you could wait till it shows up like on HBO or Netflix or something like that. Oh, fine. dang. Yeah. Okay. I have to agree with Nabil. It's it's good. If you like political thrillers, uh, definitely give it a shot, but you can definitely wait for it to go on Netflix or HBO. You don't have to be in a rush to see it. Uh, yeah, I I agree with you guys. It's like a red box for yeah. me. Um, unless you're trying to knock out Oscar films. Cause this one got a few nominations. I think Tom Hanks got snubbed on this one, though. I can't believe Meryl Streep got nominated again. So yeah. Just because Meryl Streep's in it doesn't mean you have to nominate her, guys. It's, it's probably because, like like you were saying, she usually plays like these strong characters, and it's probably because it's something that's so different from her. And she like yeah. she does know the character, but it's a, ve- it's a very uninteresting character, really. I agree. Uh, so, yeah, it... Unfortunately, we don't have too much more to talk about this one, guys. This one was <laughs> no. a little too direct, yeah. which is not a bad thing. Um, I feel like this was a very easy film for Spielberg to make. Mm-hmm. There's nothing too much to this one. Mm-hmm. It takes place in four different locations, really. Over like the course of maybe, what, a week? Not even. I think it's less than a week, yeah. like three days, mm-hmm. 72 hours. Something like that. But it seemed, you know, like we said, we were all kind of, we thought it was a good movie. But you don't need to rush out and see this one immediately. This is definitely one of those rainy day movies one day. And you see, <laughs> yeah. According to Bill, you see it on HBO Absolutely. now. And you're like, well, let's ah, watch it. Let's check it out. So, yeah, that's our review of The Post. And that's the end of our podcast today, podcast number 15. Once again, thank you, everybody, for watching. Um, and keep the feedback coming, response, reviews. We're getting a lot of uh, people replying back to stuff. Anything you want us to watch, let us know. Uh, Marco, let them know how to reach us. Check us out on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash moviepalspod or follow us on Twitter at moviepalspod. Tweet us any recommendations, questions, comments, and be sure to subscribe too. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and we're also on Google Play. Be sure to also participate in our giveaway. This will be our final announcement before we announce the winner. Once again, retweet or share any of our episodes. Tag a friend you think would enjoy the pod or not. You don't have to. Recommend a topic to us. Mention us in a comment or tweet. Recommend a movie show you'd like us to review and hashtag it with hashtag MoviePalsPod or simply just use the hashtag MoviePalsPod. To win a hardcover comic of Rick and Morty. By now, you must be feeding for some Rick and Morty, and this comic should hold you off until season four. The comic was provided by none other than our sweet hero, John Harder, owner of Waterfront Comics. All right, and next time we will be reviewing the new horror film, Winchester. But until next time, this is James, Marco, and Abil. Have a good one. 